Hello, and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled, Come to the Father, by Lily So. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. We've read the... Thanks, Sue, for reading the scripture passage for this morning. And uh, the title of my sermon today is called, Come to the Father. As a pastor, I have come to realize that many people have similar struggles of uncertainties, fears, probably low self-esteem, and even low self-confidence. Some of us look so good on the outside, we don't show it, but the different internal struggles that are within us, we know about it, right? When we come to know God, how we understand and relate to Him is also affected by our life's experiences. If we have had a wonderful and a close relationship with our fathers when we were growing up, it gives us a positive glimpse of our loving Heavenly Father. But for some of us who are not that fortunate, who didn't really have a father growing up or, had a, or have had a painful relationship with our fathers. We will view God, we may view God as God, but we don't really know him as father. But you know what? Our earthly father is not God. And God is not our earthly father. Today's message, I feel that God has put it within my heart, is for those who need to hear it today. So if you're seated in this place and you need to hear it, God has a message for you. Our Father loves us dearly, more than words can describe, more than we can fathom. And knowing the love of our Father Sorry, I'm hearing, hearing a little reverb and echo. It's, it's kind of affecting me. Can we lower it a little bit? Thank you. So knowing the love of our Father has a power to unlock healing and restoration in our lives. Let me repeat this sentence because it's really important. Knowing the love of our Father has a power to unlock healing and restoration in our lives. We've all probably heard this phrase before. Hurt people hurt other people. Many times we associate this phrase with mean people who say or do mean things to us. That was so hurtful. That was so bad. Well, they're hurt. They're hurt. They're they're hurting people. That's why they want to hurt other people. But you know, sometimes hurt people who hurt other people They don't do it intentionally. It is because that was how they were brought up. It was how they were treated when they were growing up. And they got through life that way. So they relate to their children in the same way. Because it is the only way they know how to. And one hurt generation continues to hurt the next generation 
and the destructive cycle goes on. I've spoken to different people on their experiences with their dads growing up, including my own. I have my own story, and we all have our stories. So I've spoken to different people, and you may resonate with some of the experiences. Your father was not present when you were growing up. Maybe he was physically present, but he felt like he was not. You didn't feel the support of and encouragement of your father when you were growing up. Every time you come home with good test results, exam results, he said, you could have done better. Or you excitedly want to share something with him and you thought it was really awesome, it was such a great idea, and he puts your ideas down and, he's, and he puts you down. Actually, maybe he didn't mean to hurt you. He just doesn't want you to have it too easy. He wants to toughen you up so that you can face life bravely. It was his way of helping you do better. Maybe you had an abusive father, whether it was emotionally, mentally, or physically. Nothing you did was good enough. When I, when I think about this, I remember my nephew in Singapore. The mom loves him so much, loves him so much. But you know, kids can be naughty. Kids are not perfect. We are not perfect, even as adults, right? <laughs> so the mom would say, oh, can you do this? Have you done your homework? Stop watching television, <laughs> whatever. But a mom loves him to pieces. But one day he was crying and then he was lashing at the mother and then he walked into his room and then I tried to do that like, a, like an auntie and just trying to love him and try to put peace within all of them. And I went to the room and I said, how are you, sweetie? Nothing I ever do is good enough, nothing. Oh, there was just so much anger. But here on the mother's side, she, she just loves him to pieces. So it was not intentional, but nothing you did was good enough. Have you ever had your father in his anger say this to you or something similar? Get away, you're not my child. Okay, it sounds really cruel, but I, this is a true, true stories that I've heard with, with my own ears that people tell me. Get away, you're not my child. How are you going to achieve great things? Look at you. How I wish I never had you. I would rather raise a dog than you. Now, some of you are like shocked and all that, right? Because maybe you had great fathers who never told you that. But some people have had their fathers tell them that. I was shocked one day when a parent recounted to me that that was the way the parents, uh, well, the, the parent recounted to me that that was the way that the parents scolded the child in anger when, when the child wasn't rising up, was naughty or something. So then I told the parent, I said, wow, your son would be deeply hurt and scarred by what you said. And I said it lovingly. And the reply was, why would he be? It's not that bad. I grew up that way. But I made it, I survived. Oh, wow. 
Sometimes we think that we're surviving. Sometimes, sometimes we think we're doing well, but actually we're not. Our pains, our hurts affect how we view ourselves, how we view life, people, and situations. Most of all, it affects how we know God as Father. It is vital that we know the Father's love because it is the love of God that heals and restores us and enables us to live life and relate to others in a healthy way. I was reading the news just last week. It's very interesting. There is this renowned professor in a national university of Singapore, and uh, he was talking about some such political situation and all that, and he started the whole interview with a journalist by saying, if something is repeated long enough, people start believing it. If something is repeated long enough, people will start if something's repeated long enough, people would start believing it. What more the Word of God? This morning, I would like us to learn. For some of us, it's learning. For some of us, it's a, it's a great reminder. I would love for all of us this morning to explore Scripture passages of our Father's love for us. We need to remind ourselves. If you look at your life and your schedule, you realize that maybe eight hours a day you're spent working and some, some people work even beyond eight hours a day and you're so stressed with your work, the demands of school, exams, papers, whatever, or you're doing so many other things. But sometimes when we're so busy, our lives are so harried, we don't have time to actually even read the Bible. So what fills our mind? Whatever is repeated, 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 it becomes truth for us. We believe it and we start to live that way. But if we are hurting, if we are hurting on the inside because of a, a bad and a painful relationship with our fathers when we were growing up, it's not going to help us because it affects our work, it affects our uh, life, it affects our relationship with people, it affects our relationship with God and how we view Him. Is He our loving Father? So today, what more? Let us look at the Bible and, and I want to encourage us. Let's look to the Word of God. The more we read it, the more it's repeated to us, the more we keep reading it, it gets into our hearts and get, it gets into our spirits. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, the Lord told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. You know what? I've been really affected by this message. Probably it has been ministering to me first, I told God. But as I, as I preach it and all that, as I was preparing it, I just feel like the tears, the, 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 this, just wrenching, this, the wrenching of my heart. If you need to hear it today, the Lord says to come to Him. He loves you. So Jeremiah 1.5, the Lord told him, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were formed, I knew you. So you and I are not an accident. Whatever we went through in our childhood, the Lord knew you and planned for you before you were formed. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 3, 
Our Father reveals himself as the one who carries us in his womb and gives us birth. Some of you may not be familiar with maternal language to describe God, but we all easily accept the fact that we are created in God's image. So if we're created in God's image, the attributes that we have, God created us in his image. So whether men or women, the attributes of a mother or a father, they're found in God. We are created in his image. So here in Isaiah 46, God reveals himself as the one who carries us in his womb and gives us birth. He says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from birth, carried from the womb. Have you seen pregnant mothers? Sometimes I, I look at Instagram and I see happy mothers, pregnant mothers, and their, and their stomach's growing and all that, and they would proudly take a picture holding their stomach. Right? Even husband, their hands on the stomach. Look, look at the, the star of the, the photo is our baby. So have you seen pregnant women just like holding their stomach, rubbing their stomach, uh, just talking to their baby? because they're so proud of their baby. Their baby is so precious to them. I am the one who carried you from your birth, carried you from the womb, says the Lord. A mother's, child for a, for a mother's love for a child is, is a feeling that's strongly felt and sometimes beyond description. I am a single pastor, never been married, don't have children, but I have lots of nieces and nephews, but I have a little pet cat at home. I cannot compare that to children, but my love for my cat gives me a glimpse of how mothers love their children. I look at my cat this morning and I say, bye, sweetie, see you later. And I left for church. My sister is the sweetest and most helpful person. This is a true story. I have an elder sister. She's sweet, she's helpful, she's loving. She always has the kindest words to say to everyone. To me, she's kind of perfect. When she was pregnant and about to give birth, she was in a hospital, in an operating theater, or I think so. That was what was recounted to me by the husband who was there and there with, with her. She was in, in intense labor pain, really intense labor pain. And she was, and she was all screaming. She was in a lot of pain. And the doctor came in and the nurses came in, tried to comfort her and all that. And, and she, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be over. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, wasn't it really painful? Get out! You get out! You get out! Out! She started screaming, and she scolded everyone, all the doctor, and all the doctors and all the nurses got scolded. But when a baby came out, she was the happiest mother on the planet Earth. She was so happy, and she cradled a baby, and she was so excited, she forgot all the pain. And then she sheepishly apologized to every doctor and nurse. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because she's just the sweetest person. I've never seen her really getting upset. She was always helpful and loving. But when she saw the baby, everything just fade away, disappeared. Oh, my baby. That is how God views us. We are his precious one. We are his baby. 
The Hebrew word for womb is raham, the same word from which the word compassion comes from. It is very significant that maternal language is used to describe a father's love, like I said. God the Father carried Israel in his womb. He gave birth to them. Compassion, a God of love, a God of compassion. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 12, this verse describes God as a nursing father. Moses told God, okay, just a couple sentences to describe the background. God, God appointed Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and to bring them into the promised land. But as, as Moses led the people through Egypt, he was like, frustrated because the people were upset, the people were grumbling, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. Oh, I don't want to go back to, to Egypt. There was garlic, there was leeks, da, da, da. So Moses was stressed. He was really, really, really stressed. So Moses told God, did I conceive these people? Basically, he said, no, you did, not me. But he said, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so that you should tell me, carry them at your breast as a nursing woman carries a baby? and take them to the land you swore to give to their forefathers? No, you're the one. You are the one who conceived them. You are the nursing mother, not me. He was kind of grumbling because he just couldn't cope anymore. It was the father's heart to guide the people, provide for them, and take them into the promised land. Moses was God's instrument. He was the one who carried them in his womb, gave birth to them, and nursed them. And he was the one who brought them into the promised land. In Isaiah 49, verses 14 and 15, the children of Israel said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord replies to them, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That is so amazing. God is an emotional God. Whenever we use the word emotional, we always associate it with unhealthy stuff, you know, unhealthy emotion. But hey, there is healthy emotions too. And God is an emotional God. He gets emotional about you and I as his children. He is our father who loves us, who loves us. Your mother may forget you, but I will not forget you. In the New Testament, the love of the father continues to be manifested. Jesus reveals God as Father to us. He said, the Father and I are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So in the teachings of Jesus, we not only see Jesus, but we see the Father. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 37, the Lord reveals himself as the mother hand. All day long, I long, as the mother hen, I long to gather my cheeks under my wing. But you wouldn't come. You wouldn't listen to me. That's what Jesus told Jerusalem, told the people. 
So the Lord reveals himself as the mother hen, and we are all his cheeks. He wants to gather us and put us under his wings to protect us, to love us, to make sure that we are safe. In the scripture reading that Sue read for us earlier, Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 to 14, in verse 10, the Lord calls us his little ones. His little ones. It really doesn't matter today if you're a baby in a nursery or you, had a, you have a baby and you put, in, put her or him in a nursery or elementary schoolers, high schoolers, adults, or if you're advanced in age. It really doesn't matter. In God's eyes, we are his little ones. Isn't this precious? In God's eyes, he always sees us as his little ones. Maybe I told you the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. I remember as an older adult, like older adult, okay, as an adult, I visited my grandma one day. She was really happy to see me, and so we sat and we chatted. And then she asked, and suddenly, randomly, she asked me this question. Do you need to pee? It was like crazy, right? So I was like shocked. It's like, okay, it was a toss-up between endearing and like irritation. It's like, what's this, you know? So I, I, told my, I told my grandma, I said, Grandma, if I need to pee, I know where the bathroom is. You know what it is? In her eyes, I will forever be the little one who, who needs help. No matter how old I am, I'm always in her eyes a little one. Sorry, I have to say that phrase in Chinese because, because, because that was started in Chinese, that phrase. <laughs> then I translated it in English. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'm a little confused. I think in different languages. In the eyes of God, will always be his little one. The narrative in chapter Matthew 18, in verses 11 to 14, it tells us that one sheep was lost. And so what the shepherd did was he left the, 90, the 99 in a safe place and he went in search of that one lost sheep. You know, for, for some of us, Losing one sheep, when you, one sheep when you have a hundred sheep, it's not a big deal. Well, I just lost one. I couldn't find it. You know, I tried to look for it, but I couldn't find it. Well, I did what I could, but, you know, I still have 99. Some ladies might resonate with this. You have so many dresses in your, in your, in your wardrobe. And then you lost one. No big deal. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, but, you know... <laughs> Not God. 99 were saved. One sheep was lost. The shepherd puts down the 99 and goes out to pursue that one lost sheep. He's bent on bringing the lost sheep home. The Gospel of Luke tells us the same story. 
But Luke goes on further by saying, when the shepherd finds his lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and carries it home. You know how uh, when, when fathers, when, when your children were young, you, you, you tussle, you, you play with them, you, you, you kind of roughhouse with them, and maybe you put them on your shoulder, and they're laughing, they're excited, oh, dad, la, la, la. and then you're excited as dad, and you were so proud of your son or your daughter sitting on your, on your shoulders, and you're kind of playing with them and showing the whole world that you're so excited, right? My son, my daughter, right? And your shoulders are proud. So Luke describes it this way. The shepherd finds his lost sheep. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and carries it home. I found the one sheep. I found that one sheep. My son, my son. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Come and have a party. Come have a party. And my 99 is safe and I found that one lost sheep. That is how our Father loves us. In Luke 15, there is another narrative describing our Father's love. I'm going to paraphrase it. Some of you know it as the prodigal son, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Some of you know it as the parable of the lost son. I want to paraphrase it. The Father's heart was broken. He had two sons. One was still home. He was happy about it, but the other one was gone. He just decided to take, take the money, and he left, and he wanted to live his own life. Whatever was in his heart, no one knows. No one, the Bible doesn't describe it. But the father's heart was broken. He deeply missed his beloved son, hoping and yearning and waiting for him to come home. I will never give up. One day from afar, he saw his son coming home with excitement and heart filled with love and compassion. He dropped everything he was doing and he ran towards his son. My son, my son. He was excited from far. For many, our faith, you know, the Asian culture, maybe the African culture, uh, maybe in a, even in America, the faith is a very strong thing. What is it? Another word for it is pride. Whether it's faith or pride or traditions or cultures, sometimes hinder fathers from revealing their love for their children. But not this father. When he saw his son, he ran to meet him. He didn't care what the people in his village thought. He didn't care that he was embarrassing himself. He didn't care that he was totally undignified when he lifted up his ropes to run. How many of you can run like this? See, I have a long skirt on today. If, 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 some, if I had to run for my life, do you think I was going to run, fa run fast? I cannot. It's not practical, right? So what I have to do is I maybe have to lift it up as decently and as respectable as I can and run and run, right? So here, in, the olden, in, in that day, in that culture, they wore long robes. So the father didn't care what his villagers and the, the, the neighbors and whoever thought about him. He didn't care. He didn't care. He saw his son from far. So it is not written in the Bible, but it is only safe and hermeneutically safe to assume. He picked up his robes and he ran. 
patriarchal society, dignified. But he didn't care. He pulled up his ropes and he ran and he ran and he ran to meet his son. My son, my son. He came to his son. He hugged his son and he kissed his son. Son, you're home. He immediately told his servants, quick, bring the best rope to put on him. They removed his torn and tattered clothes and helped him put on the best rope. Put a ring on his finger. I want everyone to know he's my son. And bring sandals for his blistered feet. My son is home. This narrative speaks of our father's love for us. He's looking out and waiting for you and I to come home. He wants to put on you the best rope in place of your torn and tattered one. He wants to put shoes on your blistered and tired feet. He wants to put a, his ring, his ring, on your finger to tell you that you are his precious little one. And he wants to tell the world as well, my son, my daughter. He wants to hug and kiss you and tell you that he loves you and he's your father. Our earthly father it's not God, our Father. God, our Father, is not our earthly Father. Sometimes our fathers hurt us not because they want to. They're not intentional about it, but it happened. And the hurts, the pains, the struggles in our lives, our low self-confidence, our low self-esteem, our depression, our sadness, just different things that we wrestle with a lot of times have to do with how our experiences when we were growing up. And today the Father tells us, God our Father who loves us, tells us, come to Him. Come to Him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamers.org. Also, consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.